Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. These are the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, concerning himself and the apostles and those who preach and teach the gospel. And this is the topic in today's edition of Shi'ar Jashub. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and along with the believers at Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, we welcome you to our New Testament study on heavenly authority. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, has been teaching on the correct attitude which Christians in the church should have towards God's appointed servants, as well as what the minister's own scriptural mindset should be. And it has been an eye-opening discussion. Before we return to the message for its conclusion, let me remind you that you can catch prior parts in the series, as well as a library of hundreds of other in-depth sermons on our website at www.shiarjeshub.org. When we left off last time, Pastor had just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, and he had jumped ahead briefly to chapter 11 in the section on the Lord's Supper to clarify what Paul is and is not saying back in chapter 4. Here now is Pastor Greg Scalzo. When he speaks about the communion table and how important it is to discern the body and blood of the Lord as we go to the communion table and not to eat and drink in an unworthy manner in verse 29. Then he says down in verse 31, for if we would what? Judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So he is saying, obviously the Lord judges, the Lord disciplines us, but we should judge ourselves, discern right from wrong, know when we're doing wrong, that we might repent and not come under punishment or discipline. So when you go back to chapter 4 and he says, I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. In verse 3 he says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. He's not saying here, don't consider yourself. Don't examine yourself. Don't repent of sin. That's not what he's saying. He's speaking about here ministries and works, the work he's doing. He's trying to do it as best as God has showed him. And he's not concerned for them. He doesn't even trust himself as the ultimate judge. The Lord Jesus Christ is the judge, and he's trying to do his best, knowing that that doesn't justify him. Jesus Christ will bring it all to light. He will bring... That's why he says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels, the motives, some translations will say, of the hearts. Why do people do what they do? He knows why he's doing what he's doing. But why are these others doing it? Well, he's not going to judge them. Jesus will judge them. But not all motives are pure. 
Not everyone does ministry because they love Jesus Christ. Many start that way. But not everyone that has a reverend in front of their name or a, a pastor in front of their name is doing what they're doing because they love the Lord. Many do. Some do it for profit. Some, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, love attention. And those will be the ones that will bring in destructive heresies that will start to divide up the church that will say, well, we have something very special over here and pull the people away from the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. He says in verse 5, uh, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. And then in verse 6, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake. He's put this whole symbolism onto him and Apollos, saying some are of Paul, some are of Apollos. But really, it goes beyond that. There are others that have come in, and he's saying to them, don't even do it for us. Don't even make divisions based upon Peter, Apollos, and myself. So then don't make divisions based upon anybody in all history, in all time. I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos, for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. That's one of the biggest problems in the church, to go beyond what is written. Well, yeah, we have the Bible. We put it up in the front. It is our holy book. We kiss it. We bow down to it. But then we have this book of traditions, or we have this book written by this leader, or the book written by that leader, which if you study... We don't say it, but it supersedes the Bible. Don't go beyond that which is written. That none of you may be what? Verse 6. Puffed up on behalf of one against the other. That's how this yeast of the Pharisee comes into the church. Puffed up. Arrogant. On behalf of one against another. One group in the church the body divided against another. It is meant to be the one temple of the Holy Spirit. Very clear statement of the problem. The church is going beyond what is written. They're looking to follow these other people and take these leaders and make them something special that God never meant them to be. Verse 7, For who makes you differ from another? And here's a very clear logical argument. And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Listen to what he's saying. What makes you differ from one another? Why is your group so special? What makes one Christian different from another Christian? And what do you have that boasts in what we have? We have this great spiritual knowledge that this leader has given us. It starts to sound cultic, doesn't it? What do you have? What true teaching of God do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? We're all saved the same way. The knowledge didn't start with Paul, didn't start with Peter, didn't start with Apollos, right? Paul's on the road to Damascus, and he receives the knowledge, right? He has to get knocked down off his horse and go blind, but he receives the knowledge. Peter, taught by the Lord Jesus Christ, he can't boast about it, right? He denies the Lord. 
He received it. It's by grace you are saved. They received the message, and then as good stewards, they were faithful, and they spoke the message. You have received the message of salvation. What did you have? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you've all received the same message, why do you boast? Everyone has only because we have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. We have received the same salvation. We have received the same word of God. Then why boast? Why boast like your group has something special, something extra, something additional that comes from you that makes your group, your leader, special apart from the simple salvation in Jesus Christ? You're all special in him. You're all priests and kings in him. For that matter, when a group falls under the deception that they feel they have something additional beyond that which we all received in the gospel of Jesus Christ only from their leaders to make their leaders or their elite special or different, they are indeed on the road to becoming a cult in the sight of God. What's happened here is pride and arrogance, self-conceit has crept in when everything we have is based upon the grace and the mercy of God. We've received it, so we can't be prideful in it. And Paul really is walking a tightrope here. On one hand, he is given authority. On one hand, he is entrusted with a message. On one hand, he has the truth they need to listen to, as has Apollos, as has Cephas. So they need to heed him and his teaching. Yet the thing they're doing wrong is to take the servants of God including the apostles, and to falsely lift them up to satisfy their own singular arrogance and pride, to put them in an unnatural position. So in one sense, he's exercising his authority in the letter to bring them back to the truth, and at the same time, he has to tell them the error they're doing is to make him and others something they shouldn't be. Very difficult place, and that's why when you read the letter, sometimes it can be a little difficult to read. Lord willing, next time we'll see that while they're saying, I am of Apollos, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, many of them, many of the troublemakers, not the whole church, but many of the troublemakers really have no genuine concern for Paul or Cephas or Apollos, and they're using them in selfishness. And isn't that true today? Are there churches that put the name of Paul and Peter and other saints on the church, claiming some attachment to them, venerating them, lifting them up in their services, or focusing on one part of one epistle to the avoidance of the rest of the gospel, and in so doing, not doing that which was clearly taught by Paul and Peter and Apollos. They're simply using their name for selfish purposes. And we'll, Lord willing, we'll look at that next time. Speaking about using names, you know, using somebody's name and having no concern with the person whose name you're using, like they're doing with Paul here. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, 
whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. He's concerned that the believers are so ungrounded and so mushy that they will accept any version of Jesus and any spirit that comes along and any form of the gospel they hear. In Galatians chapter 1, he says it even clearer in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Anathema. That's how serious it is. Heavenly Father, we just pray right now, Lord, we ask that you would, I know that things must come in this world and there would be false Christ and those that lead others astray, Lord, but we just pray for our land and we intercede for our nation, Lord. So many people know nothing of the gospel. They have never read the New Testament. Father, they're so ignorant of your word and they are so easy for the wolves to prey upon. Father, we just pray that you would come against this satanic false wisdom, Lord God. We pray, Father God, that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, will shine out, especially among the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Join Pastor Greg on the web for serious Bible study. The address is www.shiarjashub.org. And may the Lord bless you as you serve him.